this after this evening for a little while, we want to study concerning godly decision making. <clears throat> you know, we talked about yesterday a framework for living in this world, living soberly, righteously, and godly, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Well, one of the things that we have to do every day in this world is make decisions. And some decisions are insignificant. Like, you know, what am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> you know, or what am I going to eat for supper? Or, you know, when am I going to mow the lawn? Well, that may not be insignificant, but it can be compared to the decisions that we're going to talk about. But we're faced with decisions every day that have eternal consequences. We're faced with decisions that are going to have consequences beyond this life that we're living in. Consequences that are not only going to be eternal, but also consequences that we can experience here in this life. And it's important for us to make good decisions. You know, whenever we look at the world today, we see a lot of people making a lot of bad decisions. In fact, you know, you see a lot of those bad decisions broadcast on TV shows for entertainment. You know, like the guy that's on a bicycle and he's running down a hill at about 90 miles an hour and there's a little bit, there's a little two by six at the bottom of the hill that he's going to ramp off of. I mean, you see that, you know what's about to happen. That's a bad decision. And so, and, and sometimes we're entertained by those things, but, but really in, in, in the truth of it is bad decisions aren't anything to be entertained by. In fact, bad decisions are things that we need to take very seriously and equip ourselves to be able to make the best decisions that we possibly can in this life. Uh, some people have made observations, just people that I don't know if they're Christian or not, but they're people that look at life and just by viewing life and seeing how life works, they've made some observations. And this is one observation. Our life is the sum total of all the decisions we've ever made. Wow, when you stop and you think about that, I am today who I am because of all of the decisions that I've made up until this time. You are who you are, sitting where you are, because of all of the decisions that you've made up until this point in your life. Now, sometimes people will think, well, aren't there a lot of other factors that are involved in that? You know, your, your genetics and, and, and the environment that you grow up in. And, and that's true. Those things have a bearing on our life. But all that simply means is that within the context of our environment or our genetics, we still have to make decisions. For instance, maybe I'm genetically disposed to have a temper. Well, I've got some decisions to make about that temper. I've got some decisions to make about, okay, this is the way I am. How am I going to handle this? Or maybe the environment that I live in, the, the, the set of choices that I've had to make growing up in my life may be different, or I'm sure they're going to be different from the set of choices that a lot of y'all have to make in your life growing up, or maybe already that you're grown up. But the bottom line is, we still had choices and decisions. The decisions that I had to make being a young boy growing up in a small rural town in the, in the state of Arkansas are going to be some choices that are different than maybe someone who's growing up in poverty in the inner city of Dallas. Our choices and our decisions may be different, but the bottom line is, given where we are, we still have to make the best decisions possible in order to help to create for ourselves the life that we desire, but more importantly, the life that our Father in heaven desires for us. And so our life is the sum total of all the decisions that we've ever made. You see this body right here? There's a lot of decisions that I made about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to get this physique. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of decisions that I made over Oreos to get here. And, and, and the same way with you. 
And again, we know that there's genetics and things, but the bottom line is we've still got to make the right decisions. We all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. Wow. We all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. And I like this last one that a a gentleman observed. He said, I'm the most expensive person in my life. Every day I pay for the poor decisions of my past. <laughs> I'm the most expensive person in my, in my life because every day I pay for the poor decisions of my past. And that's the thing about your decisions. Your decisions can either pay you or you're going to pay for them. And the decisions that we make, again, determine to a great extent the course that our life will take. And so we want to be godly people. And if we want to be godly people living in an ungodly world, we have to be very uh, astute in being able to make godly decisions. How do you make a decision? We're going to show here in a moment the process of making a decision is really very simple. The process itself that we go through to make decisions is very simple. But if it's something that is so simple, why does it seem like we just mess it up all the time? Well, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament about a decision that was made. And it's a story that I think uh, captures everything that we want to talk about tonight whenever it comes to decision making. And we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 25 and we want to talk about two brothers, Esau and Jacob. And we want to talk about a decision that was made there. Now, I know there's a lot of theological implications concerning Jacob and Esau and things like that. But all we want to look at tonight is just, let's just look at the decision making process process that took place here because looking at this decision making process that we see here can give us some insight into what leads to bad decisions and can help us to understand how to make better decisions and godly decisions. The Bible tells us that after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And so this is important for us to understand. Isaac loved Esau. Esau was the hunter. He was the, he was the, the, the father's favorite. He was the one that would go out and he'd do the hunting, and then he would kill the animals, and he'd bring the meat into the house. Whereas Jacob, he was kind of a mama's boy. Jacob, uh, Rebecca loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name called, was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day your birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And then the Bible says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so here we see a choice that was made. And it was a choice that had lasting implications on the life of Esau. Whenever we look at the choice, first of all, to decide about something is just simply to make a final choice or judgment about 
whatever my options are. And so the choice that was given to Esau was, I can eat Jacob's red pottage because I'm faint and I feel like I'm about to die. And in return for that red pottage, I can give up my birthright. So he had a decision to make here. Do I keep my birthright or do I sell it for the bean soup? Which is what red pottage is. It was just a thick soup made of a type of bean called a lentil. And so on the one hand, you've got bean soup. But whenever you look at the birthright, the birthright contained a double portion of the father's inheritance. And so just think about if you've got an inheritance coming and then you were the one do the birthright, whenever your, your father passed away, you're going to get double what everybody else in the family gets. So with the birthright came great wealth. It also offered rule and authority over the other members of the family. This was a patriarchal family system where the man, the head, was very significant, very honored, and very important. And if you had the birthright whenever the dad died, well then you're the one that took over the family then. And you became the patriarch and the priest of the house upon the father's death. So the birthright was something that brought wealth, it brought honor, and it brought dignity. And it had great religious significance. And so those were the two choices that Esau had before him. Do I choose a bowl of bean soup or do I choose wealth, honor, and dignity? And what did he choose? He chose the bean soup. How many of us think that was a good decision? (laughs) You know, we look at that and we think, well, that's a foolish decision. And you know what? We see those types of decisions every day. Where people make decisions where they choose one thing and give up something far greater and far more valuable. You know, the word decide comes from a, a, I think it's a Latin word, which literally means to cut off. To cut off, like you're sawing a board. You know, whenever you're sawing a board, you saw it and you saw it, and then part of it falls off, and then you keep part of it. And really what you want to do is, the part that you keep, you want it to be greater than the part that falls off. You know, we don't need a a one-foot piece of board, and so we tell somebody to go get a, you know, go get an eight-foot two-before and cut off a foot, and we're going to keep the foot, and then we're going to take the rest of that, and then we're going to throw it into the into the scrap pile. That that's not a good decision. That's not a good use of resources. Well, that's what a decision is. Whenever you decide for something, you're also deciding against something. Think about that. When you're deciding for something, you're also deciding against something. And we want to make sure that what we are deciding for is more valuable to our life and more uh, adds more blessing to our life than what it is that we're deciding against. How to make a decision. Everybody in here knows how to make a decision. First thing you do is you identify your choices. What are my choices? Then after you identify your choices, the second thing you do is you assign value to each choice. You assign value to each choice. And then third, you choose the most valuable thing. It's that simple, isn't it? 
And again, we ask the question, well, if it's so simple, why do we mess it up so much? For instance, if I was up here and I laid a thousand dollars right here and I laid a dollar right here and I said, Dusty, come up here and decide which one you want. What's he going to do? Well, he knows his choices. He knows the value of each choice. And he's going to come up here and he's going to get the thousand dollars. And so, if it's something that's so simple, again, where is it that so many people, and not just so many people, but so many of us, and myself personally, fail in making godly decisions? Well, there's a statement that Esau makes that gives us some insight into where the breakdown is in the process. You know, Esau, he came in from the field, and the Bible tells us that he was faint. I mean, he had been out in the field all day, and he was just wore out. And then he says in verse 32, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? You see, in that statement that we see from Esau, we're seeing a statement of value. A statement of value. I understand what my choices are. I've got a bowl of bean soup here, and I've got a birthright over here. And where I am right now in my life, I'm about to die. So what good is that going to do me? What I need is something to eat in order to keep myself alive. A birthright, what good's a birthright if I'm not going to live long enough to have it? So I'm going to choose the bean soup. You see, the thing that brought about the bad decision that Esau made was step number two in the process. Assigning value to each choice. And that's where a lot of times we fail in our decision making, is in the value that we assign to the choices that we make. Let's look at Esau for just a moment. Do you think that he really would have died? No. His dad was wealthy. Isaac was rich. And not only was he rich, Esau was his favorite. He wasn't going to let his favorite son die. But Esau gets all worked up and he gets in a dither thinking, I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to starve to death. And because he found himself in that condition where he wasn't thinking wisely and discreetly and prudently, What he did was he assigned value to something that really wasn't that valuable. And you see, that's what happens to us in the world today. Is that we get caught up in the things going on in the world today. Oh, I've just got to have that. I've just got to have this. Oh, if I don't get this, I'm just going to die. You know, again, how many times have you heard that? You know, I'll just die if, if, if that boy doesn't ask me out. I'll just die if I don't get those new things. I'll just die if I don't get the latest fashions you know, and get to do all of that thing. You see, we get ourselves caught up in the moment, and in that moment we lose all sense of what's right and what's true. Esau was not going to die. Esau was not going to die. But in his mind, he was in such a state that he wanted that bowl of bean soup and did not fully realize and appreciate the implication of the decision that he was about to make. Birthright, and he sat down there and he slopped up that soup and he wiped his mouth off and he walked off 
and probably didn't think a thing about a birthright. But we're going to see later on that that decision had a great implication. So the question that we want to ask is, how can we assign true value? What determines the value of something? You know, there's some things that are valuable to you. They're not valuable to me. There's some things that are valuable to me. They're not valuable to you. And that's, you know, it's just, you know, I see people buy stuff and I hear the amount of money that they spend on them. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And then people can look at me at some of the things that I decide and things that I spend money on and they're looking, are you for real? I would never do that. Why, why, why is there such a vast difference in, in the value that we see in things in life? Well, what I want us to understand is that value is a matter of perspective. A matter of perspective. Where you are right now and how you see things. How you perceive things. Just like with Esau. At that moment where he was then, the way he saw things made him place a lot more valuable a value on something that really wasn't that valuable. It's like if I had a bottle of water and I set that bottle of water right here and I said, I'll sell you that bottle of water for $100. And you'd look at me and say, well, you're crazy because I can go down the street and buy it for $1.49. But let's say that you're out in the desert, that you're out in the middle of nowhere and your throat is parched with, with, with thirst and there's not a, a, a convenience store down by the next palm tree or wherever we are. And I say, I'll sell you that bottle of water for a hundred dollars. Think you'd buy it then? I'm sure you would if you had a hundred dollars. What's the difference? Same bottle of water. Same exact bottle of water. But your perspective is completely different now because your situation has changed. And you see, that's something that's important for us to understand about assigning value. And that's understanding our true situation here in this world. You know, that's why that some people can look at things of the world and think that they're so valuable and I've just got to have them. And other people can look at them and say, I don't need that. I'm going to let it go. It's all a matter of their perspective. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21... There's a lot of things that can affect our perspective in, in how we assign value to things. But I think one thing that the Scripture teaches that helps us to understand the true value of things, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news like I was Sunday morning, we're going to die. We're going to die. You know, there's just some things in the Bible that we don't like to hear, but they are truths that are so necessary for us to understand to live godly lives. You know, if I'm living in this life like this is all there is, if I'm living in this life like I feel like I'm going to live forever, then certain things are going to have greater value to me. Then if I live with the awareness that, you know, there's going to come a time when when I'm going to die. And all of these things that are interesting me, that are calling out for my time and my money and my energy, you know, they're really just not that important. And that's what Jesus taught. 
in the parable of the rich man. He said, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, I'll build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. What's he thinking about? He's thinking about two things. Number one, he's thinking about himself, and he's thinking about his things. He's thinking about himself and he's thinking about his things. And so he's sitting there and his mind is given over to this and he's planning and he's planning. And he goes on to say, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Death is a far and distant fantasy to me. Death is a far and distant fantasy to me. That's why my things seem so valuable. So, eat, drink, and be merry. Be at ease. Have a good time. In verse 20, But God said to him, Thou fool. You know, we're studying in Proverbs about wise and fool. You know, one thing that's real wise, one thing that leads to wisdom in our life is to know we're going to die. We're going to die. And so God says to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And so whenever God appeared before him and he proclaimed to him, Tonight thy soul shall be required of thee, there was a big uh-oh echoing throughout all eternity. <laughs> uh-oh. I've had this all wrong. Things that I thought were valuable, I'm not taking them with me. They're staying behind. Tonight, God is requiring my soul. Tonight, God is calling me to move from this world and to prepare to stand before Him and give an account. So on that side of the grave, how valuable were those things? Do you think on that side of the grave that he's thinking, boy, I sure hope that they take care of my barns and I sure hope that they put up my things and they take care... He's not thinking about those things anymore. And so the Lord says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He didn't understand the true value of things. And because he didn't understand the true value of things, then he made decisions that preoccupied himself with the things of this world so that whenever God called him to give an account of his soul, he wasn't ready. Matthew 6, 19-21 Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now one of the things that I want you to look at and I look at concerning my decisions, when I make a decision, when I make a significant decision, what I look at that is I'm making a deposit in my treasure chest. I'm making a deposit in my treasure chest. Now, am I going to make a deposit in a treasure chest that's in heaven, or am I going to make a deposit in a treasure chest that's here upon the earth? But every decision, every major significant decision that you're going to be faced with and that I'm faced with in life is an opportunity to make a deposit into a treasure chest. 
And so we have to see the real value. Because he says in verse number 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's all about values. And so whenever it comes to making that decision about who I'm going to marry, what am I going to think about? What's going to determine the value on my choices? What's going to determine the value of the person that I want to marry? I want someone that's fun. I want somebody that's easy to talk to. I want somebody that understands me and doesn't judge me and makes me feel wanted. Or, do I want a godly person that's going to join up with me and serve the Lord with me so that we can both get to heaven? Which is more valuable? Which is more valuable? Whenever it comes to making career choices, do I want to make a career choice where I'm going to have a whole lot of money and I'm going to make a whole lot of nice things? Or do I want to make a career choice that's going to give me the time and the resources to make a living for my family and take care of my family, but provide me with opportunity to serve others and serve the Lord? Which one's more valuable to you? You see, look at your decisions. Your decisions speak to your values. Because we're all smart enough to know, hey, choose the most valuable thing. We all know that. Choose the most valuable thing. So, whenever we make a choice about something, what we're saying is, for me right now at this time, that's the most valuable thing. You know, that's why as people grow older and they get closer to death, things that were important to them when they were younger, they're just not that important anymore. Why is that? Because our perspective has changed. Hebrews 9.27, It's appointed unto a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. That puts it all in perspective. You know, there was a man that wrote a book called The the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits that was in the book was begin with the end in mind. Look to the end. Because by seeing the end, that's going to help you to make the decisions that you need to make along the way to achieve that end. That's our end right there. That's our end. I'm going to die and stand before God. And having that perspective then should help me to understand clearly and to see clearly what's important and what's not important. So that I can make the decisions that I need to make in order to build for myself the life that God would have me to live. But what about Esau? Hebrews 12, verses 16 to 17. The Hebrew writer says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. You know what profane means? Profane means that you can't see the value of something that's sacred. When you profane something, what you're doing is you're disrespecting it and not holding it to its true value. That's what the writer says here about Esau. He was a profane person who for one morsel of meat, for one bowl of bean soup, sold his birthright. See, we have to have the perspective that we can see things in their true value. 
You know, we talked yesterday about denying ungodliness, saying no to the things that are ungodly, that take away from our respect and our piety towards God. Because it's our relationship with God that gives us a perspective on the true value of things in life. And so, as Esau, he lost all perspective of that. And notice what it says in verse 17. For ye know how that afterward. Every decision has an afterward. Every decision has an afterward. We're all living the afterwards of our decisions tonight. I'm living the afterwards of my decisions. I made decisions 30 and 40 years ago that to this day as a 51-year-old man, I'm still living the afterwards. And I'm sure that there's others here that can also look back at decisions that they made in their life years ago that every day they'd have to deal with the afterwards of that decision. In the case of Esau, that afterwards looked like this. When he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. He was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. In other words, he couldn't change his daddy's mind. What was done was done. Though he sought it carefully with tears. So remember, when he gobbled up, gobbled up that, and he wiped his mouth off, and he walked away thinking, you know, hey, all is good. There came a day when he stood before his dad. Dad, you got can't do it. Can't do it. So his afterwards was filled with tears. And again, there's people tonight, maybe some of us here tonight, people outside this building, people in the world that are living there afterwards, that they're crying and they're crying and they're pleading with whomever they can plead with. Make it different. Make it different. But sometimes you just can't. And in those times when you can make it different, a lot of times it will leave a scar. And a scar that you'll have to carry with you as a reminder of that bad decision that I made. Especially as young people, the decisions that you make may seem immaterial. Some of the most important decisions that you can make, number one, is listen to mom and dad. (laughs) Just listen to mom and dad. You know, now again, you know, at your age and the world is telling you mom and dad doesn't know anything. So whenever you're faced with a decision, do I listen to mom and dad or do I go out and and, and have fun and, and do what my friends want me to do with them? Think about your afterward. Think about the days that are ahead. You know what? The fun you're going to experience is going to last a little while. But the implication of that decision of not obeying your parents can last a long time. And understand that every decision is a grave decision where you are in your life. There are people who have, for the most part, ruined their life because of decisions that they made in their teen years. I mean, again, I I can look back at kids that I went to school with that in their teen years, you know, hey, they did it all. They did it all. And some of them are dead. 
Some of them are fighting with that alcohol that seemed so fun in high school, but now it's tore their life apart and ruined their families and devastated their kids and left a trail of broken relationships all because it was fun way back then. And again, the list goes on, and we all have those experiences and those people in our life that we can look to. But what I want you to understand is your choices are a reflection of your values at the time that you choose that make that choice. You made a choice to be here tonight. And you're here tonight because you think this is important. You thought of all the things that I can do tonight, this is the most valuable thing that I could be doing. So you made the choice to be here. Maintain a godly perspective in assigning value to your choices. One of the things that's critical in assigning value to your choices is to involve yourself with people that have made and been faced with similar choices. There are no new decisions. Okay, There are no new decisions. Every decision that you're faced with, every decision that I've been faced with, someone before me has had that same decision. There's a lot of people after the, out there that are living the afterwards of a decision that you're now faced with. So if I want to know, okay, what's really valuable in this decision? Go to somebody who has already experienced that. It's just like if, if I was going to go buy a house, I, I can't really get the true value of a house. I'm not really, I don't have that real estate in mind. So what I will do is, okay, I'll go talk to somebody. You tell me what's the true value of this house. Because this is something that you're acquainted with. Seek counsel from other people. Help them to let, you, help them to help you understand the value of your choices. And be careful of the choice you make today. Because that choice, those choices, will be making you tomorrow. The choices that you make today, those choices will be making you tomorrow. So I hope as we look at this, that it can give us some insight into making godly choices. Again, the process is easy. Identify your options, assign value, pick the most valuable one. But our problem is with our values. We have to be able to understand what the true value and true meaning of things are in life. And again, as young people, that's why you have parents. That's why you have elders in congregations. That's why you have people that have lived and have experienced. You know, if I'm a 16-year-old facing a, a an important life decision, do I want to go to somebody that's 16 years old? <laughs> Or do I want to go to somebody that's a little older that's already made that decision? You know, in counseling kids, it's humorous how that they always talk about how that they go to their friends and, you know, and their friends tell, well, their friends are just as ignorant as they are. You've got to look for people that are experienced. You've got to look for people that have wisdom. You've got to look for people that know how life really works and can give you the counsel and the direction that you need. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you're faced with a decision tonight. And that decision is whether to be a Christian or to continue to live the way I'm living. Well, let's take the perspective that we talked about tonight. You're going to die and you're going to stand before God. Take the way that you're living right now. Is it really that valuable? Is it really that important when you understand where you're ultimately going to end up? Or is the choice of being a Christian seeming like the more valuable choice at this time? 
to be washed in the blood of Jesus, to have all of your sins taken away, to stand before Him pristine and new in the blood of Jesus, to have a right relationship with Him through obedience to the gospel. Or if you are here tonight and you are a Christian, and maybe you've made some bad decisions, maybe you're, maybe you're in bondage to a decision that you've made that you just can't seem to get beyond or, or, or get past and, and you're feeling frustrated or maybe decisions that you've made that were just sinful. Sinful. Things that you knew were wrong at the time, they seemed like the valuable thing to do, but now that I'm sitting here in church and I've heard God's Word and I understand the eternal perspective, I know I made the wrong decision. And you desire help at this time. If there's one or more of either disposition, we'd ask you to come up as we stand and sing.